And good evening, everyone. It is good to see you. We trust that you are doing well tonight, and we welcome you to Friday Night with Friends. Now, our friend tonight is not an empty chair. So, it's a ghost. Uh, don't, yeah, don't, we have don't an be invisible panicking. Friend, huh? Don't be panicking now. Our friend is here, and uh, he'll be joining us just shortly. But as uh, we're getting started, welcome to everybody. If this is your first time with us, we are pleased that you have joined us. And uh, if it is not, welcome back. We're glad that you're here. This is our third Friday Night with Friends in this season, and we're real excited, Desi, to be launching into yet another night with, with a friend. Oh, absolutely. I'm enjoying this. This has been good. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Let me remind everybody of our website, newyorkupc.info. It's a great place to find out information about our small groups, which are integrally important to what we're doing right now. Without our small groups, Desi, we'd be in trouble in this season right now. So I'm glad we kind of put our efforts into that. And you can also partner with us in prayer. If you've got prayer requests, you can give them there at newyorkupc.info. You can also partner with us in giving. But all of that aside, I am so excited to have my friend, Brother Greg Albritton, with us. And uh, glad mm -hmm. you could join us, Greg. Welcome. And uh, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Great to be here with you, my friend. All right. Well, let me start with a little uh, formal introduction. Greg is a minister of the gospel with the United Pentecostal Church. He's dad to Emery, age 16, Eden, age 14, and Creed, his man, as he calls him, my little man, age seven. And uh, Greg cherishes everything that is family. Uh, one of the main focus points of his calling is to encourage people to walk both in pure trust and in great faith on their journey with Jesus Christ. And man, what a season we're in to exercise both of those, great faith and pure trust. Uh, it's gonna take both folks. We gotta believe in God and we gotta trust him. Mm -hmm. His uh, ministry background includes being a youth minister at his home church. Uh, he's also been an evangelist throughout the United Pentecostal Church in the United States. He also served as youth pastor in Shreveport, Louisiana, assistant pastor in Covington, Louisiana. And he was also the youth president for his home state of Louisiana for five years. And that's when I first met Greg, but more about that in a minute. He and his wife, Jamie, also pastored in Loveland, Colorado for nearly eight years, where Greg also served as a presbyter and Jamie was ladies president. Early 2015, they once again sensed the leading of the spirit to minister to the body of Christ through evangelizing. And they moved back home to Louisiana and specifically, I believe, Greg to uh, POA in Alexandria, a great church there. And uh, they are based there. In May of 2019, Jamie, Greg's wife, passed away. She was a great wife, mother, and a passionate worshiper of Christ who touched many with her testimony of God's great grace. And so Greg seeks to minister healing, hope, light, and life at every opportunity as he stays committed to God's call. So Greg, welcome to you. And I've got to add to that formal introduction at the first time I met Greg Albright. Here comes the Stephen comment. You should, that's Greg, right. If you're his friend, you should be prepared for this kind of stuff. Here we go. I'm getting ready to kick the pail. So, shields um, up. Shields up. Yep, shields mm -hmm. up. So I meet Greg. I am a young man, uh, newly married, uh, less than, it would have been, let's see, probably about three years married, and um, youth president of a northeastern district of New Jersey and Delaware. So a little podunk district from the perspective of the United Pentecostal Church. And in walks single, 
I don't know if he's good looking because I'm not into guys. So I have no idea whether Greg's good looking or not. I've never tried to figure that out. All right. But any walks, this single guy, youth president of one of the top five districts, Louisiana. Louisiana. He was hot stuff, man. He was personality. Was he the impressive guy in the room? He was the impressive. He was the impressive guy. Happy to be there. He sucked all the oxygen out of the room, all this. And I remember looking and thinking, wow, man, that is not me. And so life went on. And then shortly after that, as most of you know, in my story, and Greg does as well, I actually resigned from being youth president. He continued on for five years, as you heard. I resigned after just one term and part of a term because I went back to school to earn my PhD and uh, to help start Urshan Graduate School. And so our lives diverged. And Greg Albright and Stephen Beardsley never touched for years. And then Bible quizzing brought us back together. And in the last three to four years, uh, we have had our kids quiz against each other. We have spent good times together on the campground in Louisiana, in Tioga. And, uh, and then I've also walked with Greg through the last several years as a, a lot of suffering has occurred within life. And uh, Greg and I talk monthly. And uh, I have grown to love this man and respect his depth. I'm going to admit something publicly, Greg. I wasn't sure how much depth you had when I met you. There we go. I, I was have, so far he had been behaving, Greg. I was waiting for a. Student. I don't know what depth you had. I don't know what kind of Christian you were. I and had now a totally we sound like carnal perspective. But just a loser. Buddy, I know. Yeah. Entitled. Hey, you probably thought I was entitled for sure, huh? There you go. You know, the old moniker, <laughs> Luciana, you know, there's all kinds of stuff we can do with this. I had no idea, but man, I am so proud and happy to have you tonight because I have, uh, I have grown to appreciate you, appreciate your thoughts and, uh, and your input. And speaking of that, so let's launch on into it. Speaking of that, you're the man that uh, kind of spoke into my life this concept as we talked early on in COVID-19 about digging our own wells. Why don't we start there, Greg? Share with the congregation. I put my own spin on it. I shared it with them, but why don't you talk to us a little bit about from your vantage point, what you think the church needs to think about in this season? Absolutely. Uh, First of all, though, I want to take a a Greg moment since you were able to take a Brother Beardsley moment. Um, I want to say it's- it's Who's, well, oh, time out. Who's Brother Beardsley? I have no idea who Brother Beardsley is. All right, probably your grandpa or something, but uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, my friend Stephen, I want to take a moment and uh, just say it's it's such an honor to be with y'all tonight, and um, it's just just touched my heart when you asked me, and I'm so grateful to visit with you and with your congregation. It's a tremendous honor for me to share and uh, to be with your family and uh, and and just with your congregation is such an honor. And then um, I want to say you've become a dear friend. Um, our lives did diverge at, at, a, at the, when you said the letters PhD. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I honor you, man, for, for your life and your life journey and your steps. Um, but you've proven yourself so real to me in the hallway at Nationals this past year when you had a word for my daughter and I. And then monthly, or sometimes every other week or so, calling to touch base and to check on me and me and my family's journey. You've been amazing and you've proven yourself to be a true friend and a, a, a true man of God. And I wanna give honor to you in, in front of your congregation tonight for your heart and your, your depth. Uh, you use that word, I, I use that word too, your depth 
of ministry to me and to my family. Thank you. Thank you for caring and for proving that by being, um, by being very intentional in reaching out to me. And so I thank you. So digging your own wells, let, let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah, I like to, go. I like to tell people that I, I may be in my fifties, but my imagination got stuck when I was seven, maybe eight, somewhere around that range. And it leads to a, uh, it leads to an enjoyable take on life. And um, I'm not saying all of us in the church, in the, in the modern, the American church, I'm not saying we're all in this category, but sometimes it seems like we're little birds with our mouths wide open. And I know we're supposed to come to church hungry, but our praise teams are the best. I'm an evangelist. It's not just your large church like POA. You can go to rural church. You can go to medium-sized town church. You are drawn into the presence of the Lord by that praise team over and over again. The man of God, I, I'm, I have dear friends across this country. I'm privileged to travel the state of Louisiana and our country. And they're not bringing they're not bringing a reader's digest message that they found at eight o'clock that morning, you know, in some file. And so ooh, this looks good. They are bringing words from heaven and depth and, and purity uh, from God's word. But sometimes in the congregation and even uh, maybe some of us in ministry, we can get spoiled. And it's almost like the little birds. And, and I know we come hungry and thirsty. I've been ministered to hundreds of times at church. But if that becomes my only source, then I come to church, or maybe you could think of it like an IV, just coming to church and sticking my arm out and saying, hey, put that IV in, load me up. If that becomes, if, the, if, if my prayer meetings are only when you as pastor call a prayer meeting, if my being fed by the word is only when I'm in that building and you spent time, which you're supposed to, to have something to feed the flock. If my only nourishment from the anointing is when that praise sing, uh, team is on that second or third song and the flow is just happening. If that's my only time of nourishment from God's presence, then something's wrong. As beautiful as that is, we're not meant to just be the little birds coming to church and please don't ever Think of that when you're preaching next time. I, that's, the, that's my imagination. But if, if we're only coming there, going, ah, give it, give it to us, give it to us. And then we go away and just kind of live our lives and then come back and do, I don't believe that's God's will. I believe he wants us to be digging, using the term digging our wells, digging in God's word. I believe he wants us to be spending time in his presence there's a couple of songs on my playlist. I, play, I played one the other day, probably six times in a row, back to back, because in my own bedroom at home, God was ministering to me Amen. through his presence. And so it'll never negate the place of the man of God in our lives. It'll never negate the place of the church in our lives. I still want our praise teams to pump the beautiful presence of God. I love it. I love it. I love ministry from the pulpit. But I just thank you. Thank you for, for saying that that ministered to you from our conversation a few months ago. Um, it ministered to me when somebody shared those words with me. I'm like, that, that's a good word for this season. Absolutely. Let's dig our own wells, have our own walk with God, and let church be a, a part of that, but not the whole pie. And, and I believe God wants us to do that even in healthy times. And um, 
Stephen, you may remember last year, and I closed this segment with this, but last year at Nationals, I was honored to preach one of the devotions. Absolutely. And I, I titled the message, Get It For Yourself. And the word of God encouraged um, King Solomon, if I believe it, yeah, um, King Solomon, that he, when he became king, he had to write in his own handwriting a copy of the word of God for himself not their copy, his copy. And, and I use the example of my grandmother's Bible that I've inherited. And there's hardly a page that you can turn that she wrote her notes from the word of God. Oh, she still has what the preacher preached, what day and what the sermon mm -hmm. title was. That's all over there too. But her notes are in there. It was her word of God. So digging our own wells just means I'm going to I'm going to dive in to that relationship with God on my own and, 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 and have that in God's presence of worship in the word and trust and faith in the spirit, getting all those, just another way of saying, get, get it for yourself. Absolutely. And the strong part too, Greg, that I really helped me and encouraged me as a pastor in the midst of all of this. And you were so kind to acknowledge the challenge we face you know, you as an evangelist face one set of challenges and we as pastors face another. And, uh, but if we can get a hold of this and, and of course the congregation is going to think we've been harping on this and that I cued you up, which I didn't, but how much you walk down the line of things that we right now are studying together and that we're preaching and teaching to one another right now. But if we come back to in-person services and we have dug our own wells it means we can serve a lot better because you can't serve out of an empty well. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. so it's, it's both our own personal health, but it's also the, the ability to then be a servant that is responding to the needs of others where the whole service doesn't have to be totally about me, but it can be, I'm sensitive to the spirit. Some services will be all about me and I appreciate God, I, God I, does I, that. You're right. Absolutely. And I'm so Please. appreciative of our, of our pastoral team now that there are services that I can stay focused on me. I haven't had that for a lot of years, but they afford that. I'll come in. I don't have any duties that day and I just make it about me. But if the church can come in and it not just be about them, then we can turn our attention to caring for others. Let me launch into a, into the main let me, area. Let me make yeah. one more statement, but if I can, it's the old, sure. old statement. Either feed a man a fish are teaching the fish is right. it's, it's, we're just applying that to the word of God. Amen. I'm still going to want to hang out with other fishermen and I'm still going to want to hear fishing stories, but I, I know how to fish myself. Yes. So, sorry. To yes. No, 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 no. That's, that's great. So let's, let's turn now and, and actually Desi and I are going to, so you don't think we, we dropped off the call, our video and our sounds going to go away for this segment. We're still there. We're still listening. We can break in with our voice. I want to, I want to, turn the whole screen over to you. And I want you to talk about uh, suffering. Uh, last week, we had Dr. Cindy Miller come on, and she has done a lot of, of academic work, a lot of theological work, a lot of psychological. She's a counselor, as I'm sure you're aware of, um, work with the theology of suffering. And she shared some of her own suffering that led her to that. And God seems to use suffering. God seems yeah. to use things that you and I really don't want to experience and you've had several experiences over the years. I, I just want to kind of leave it that blanket open. And Greg, you take the next 15 minutes or so and just kind of talk to us about some of your experiences, not only how God's been faithful, but how he's trusted you to go through pain and hurt and suffering 
and how he's used it in, in, in his kingdom. I trust you, my friend, to share as the Spirit leads you. I, coming into this, I want to say one more thing, which is I've felt very strongly that the Spirit's going to speak through you. And so that's not to put pressure, but I, I believe the Lord has something to say through you to help us continue looking at this, at this not just because we're in the midst of, say, suffering, COVID-19 and the restrictions, but perhaps being better prepared to be these Christians that have their own wells, their own relationships, that can go through trials and still give an answer to every man of the hope that is in us. So Greg, I'm going to turn it to you. Desi and I are going to kind of disappear. Talk to us a little bit about this. Thank you. Um, well, thank you, Pastor Stephen. I, um, I do have stories in my life. I, I make light sometimes. I say, if I'm a cat, I'm down to about four lives. And, um, and I, 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 I have stories. I have stories where God has walked with me through pain, through challenges, through, through difficulties. He's proven himself so real. I want to take us back to um, my first major life injury uh, sickness event that hit so very hard. I, um, I broke my neck in an accident. So I'm going to name several. I broke my neck in 1991. I got West Nile and almost passed in 2017. And after a long, about a year long journey uh, of her battling mental illness, we lost my wife in 2019. So I want to reference to those three events. But in the the broken neck situation. I I had emergency surgery the day following the accident. And then a few weeks later, instead of healing, the fusion came apart and I had um, a second surgery. And then on the day I was to be released after the second surgery, the fusion came apart again. The, the neurosurgeon called it a rebel vertebrae C6 was uh, had locked out of joint in the accident, and then they, they it kept uh, causing challenges. So in that journey, God gave us. I've 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 come to call something layer miracles. I believe in instant miracles. They're Bible. I preach them. I, I rejoice. But I'm also, and the Bible uses the word process, and I believe there are layer miracles. Just just an example. We call creation creation, but it happened over seven days. God spoke, God spoke, God worked, this happened, this happened. And we just call it creation. It's a one word story, but it happened in layers. And that's how uh, miracles and, and God bringing me through some of these journeys and trials have, have unfolded in my life. And so first surgery, we had a God moment, where one of the nurses was, was a, um, a spirit-filled lady. She come running out of the room and she said, it's a miracle. Vertebrae moved back in place and, and man, everybody rejoiced. And, but I still had the surgery and still walked through all of that. God just navigated that portion of the surgery to make sure everything was okay. Then in recovery comes apart, second surgery. And now we're facing a third surgery that I found out later was exploratory had never been done in the United States uh, due to an infection on the, the back incision. They were gonna have to go through the front to try to get to the back. It's, it's just a, a long story. Um, but God's presence came in my room leading to that. And he spoke something to me 
And that was this, weeping and crying. And some folks were in my room praying for me. And the Lord spoke or impressed me. I've never heard his audible voice, but he impressed me. You've trusted me in the storm. Now I have faith. I'm going to remove the storm. And so uh, pastor said it in my introduction that I, that I, I feel one of my, my great callings of my ministry is to help us walk in pure trust and great faith at the same time. And when suffering and pain and reversals have come into my life, I believe with all of my heart, God can take care of this right now. But at the same time, if he allows me to go through it, he's going to be with me the entire journey. And so God spoke to me twice. Two different ministers came about 30 minutes apart. And while they were praying over me separately, 30 minutes apart, God spoke, you have trusted me in the storm. Now I have faith. I am going to remove the storm. And the surgery was set for about uh, a one week out waiting for hardware to come in and the different things they were going to have to do. And um, in that situation of waiting, there were the final pre-op x-rays the evening before the surgery was scheduled early the next morning. And my doctor walks in, stands beside my bed, and in talking, he just, he just talked for a sentence or two. Then he said, I, I just got to tell you, he said, instead of doing your surgery tomorrow, we're going to be sending you home. And, and he, he got tongue tied trying to explain how the transition had happened. This vertebrae pulled apart two surgeries, but now it's moved back into position. He's never seen that. He walked out the door, walked back in the door and explained, I've never seen this. I've been a neurosurgeon over 20 years. These rebel vertebrae, I've seen them pull and pull further. I've seen them pull and hold their position until repaired, but I've not seen one that pulled apart a surgery, go back on its own. God stepped into the scene. I'm just wanting to set the stage as I talk about suffering that in those journeys, we can walk in trust and faith. And if God doesn't answer your prayers immediately, it doesn't mean something is wrong with your faith. It just means he's leading you through this circumstance. Uh, the thought hit me a week or two ago, how could God walk with us through the rivers, through the floods, through the fire, through the valley of the shadow of death, if he delivered us from every river, every flood, every fire, if he delivered us from all of them, then he can't be the God that walks with us through. Walking with us through the valley is just as much of a miracle as him delivering us from the valley. Walking with the three Hebrew children in the, in the fire is just as great a miracle as then when he delivered them from the fire. Some of our greatest intimate moments with Jesus are going to be in those valleys or in the fire or in the trials of suffering that come into our lives. The three Hebrew children to me are the greatest example in the Bible there are the statement. It just is so concise. O King, our God is able to deliver us. He will. But if he doesn't, nothing's changing. We're not going to worship your image. We're not going to worship your idols. Our worship is reserved for him. He's able. He will, but if I'm about to go through something, I'm going through it with him as my God and I'm trusting in him. In 2017, my mother passed away in July 
we went to Bible Quiz National straight, literally straight from the uh, cemetery. And it was a just a, a beautiful experience to be with our Bible Quiz family. And then came home from there. I got in a six-week revival. And in that revival, uh, at the end of that revival, the last Sunday, it was a two-hour drive from where I live, I, I, my body began to ache. And throughout that week, I ran fever. I ached, mostly was just in bed aching. And by Friday, um, went to the ER on Wednesday and they just said, man, something, something you're just hurting, something's wrong. And, and on Friday, my wife found me on the floor out of my mind, 106 fever. And um, back in the hospital, a journey uh, of discovery that it was West Nile virus. Attacked my body. I, I lost 34 pounds in 10 days and mostly on my right side, it wasn't a stroke, but it affected my right side. My right leg was an inch and a half smaller than my left leg. My body was weakened. My muscles uh, uh, hit so hard on the right side. It took me three months to learn to walk, three months to um, get begin to get my life steps back, truly between life and death for about five days, in and out of my right mind uh, with that virus attacking me. Um, and then I was recovering from that home for several weeks, going to outpatient therapy. And I became probably about 95% paralyzed over a three to five day span. Could only move my hands like slide them on the bed. Was diagnosed the second time. This time it wasn't West Nile, but I was vulnerable because of West Nile, something called Guillain-Barre. And um, treated for that and back in the, uh, from Guillain-Barre back in the rehab hospital. And, um, and then days later, my side started hurting so bad. And um, it was uh, a blood clot had formed in my leg and broke off and hit my lung. And, and very, very precarious journey for several months between Labor Day and Thanksgiving of that year. I was in hospitals or rehab hospitals and home just for, for a few days. And um, a journey where there were moments. I remember one day calling my wife to the bedside and said, I believe God's going to pull me through. But I, I, I gave her my plans for my funeral in case that happened. I remember laying in the bed, giving my children to God one at a time, putting my marriage and my home and my family in God's hands. And um, we don't always have answers for why God allows but I just want to say again, even when you don't understand what he allows, you can still trust him and you can still walk with him. And I call it going to Gethsemane, a common a, a phrase, I'm sure, but you just go to Gethsemane is, is what I encourage. God, I'm yours. My life is yours. My health is yours. My home is yours. My children are yours. In those times of suffering, I'm not my own. Even more so, I want to let you know I am yours. I trust you. I trust you. And in that journey, they're what I, I call God shifts, where again, the whole answer didn't come, but at pivotal moments, there was a shift. Something happened in the spirit to carry you through. And then we're in our recovery from that. Let's fast forward from Thanksgiving when I'm just taking five steps, 10 steps, go forward to the end of March. I'm walking with a walker 
I'm able to actually start driving again the very end of March. And um, and just a few short months later, my wife, who had been our superwoman, she 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 was so amazing during my sickness. But if I can put it in layman's terms, somewhere in July, August, every tank became empty at the same time, mental, emotional, spiritual. She had a had a, a breakdown. And and it was much more than depression or anxiety, though it included those things. In hindsight, we believe it was a late onset of a of a strong mental illness. And and um that began a, a 10 month journey, 10 month journey of on top of where we had just walked with the West now, now trusting God every day and putting her life and her steps in in God's hands. And, and um, it, was, it was a challenging 10 months. She, she, was, she was gone before she was gone. And to watch the battle of the mind being attacked with the heart still reaching in and out of the seasons, reaching for God and reaching for his, his presence. It was a journey where I'll talk about a little bit at the end, but walking in the spirit, Brother Stephen, it wasn't for a sermon. It wasn't for ministry. And that's my life, ministering in a different church, beautiful, wonderful people all across, as I've already mentioned. But I had to walk in the spirit every day of my life, trying to navigate to help, to get her help, to, to be a shield and protector for my children and to lead and guide us through, through that journey. We called upon God, fasted and prayed and sought him. And, and there were times we, we pushed and maybe in the questions or something, we talk a little bit about um, mental illness in, in, in the spirit field community. And, and uh, but I find even in, in all folks that, that a mental illness may come, there's a resistance for help. And so we tried, we prayed, we, we sought God. And, and then in the end, the answer was not what, what we had desired. It is not what we had laid on our face, asking God to restore and to heal. And we lost her. And the night she passed, I remember telling the Lord she was trying so hard. And he answered all my questions with just the statement, this was broken, but this was right with me. And so I put her in God's hands. And my uh, children and I have walked a road of being loved on. I want to take a moment, and I say this from just such a heart of gratefulness, but there's nothing like the body of Christ. I can go in churches that I may barely, I mean, I may go to that city once a year when I preach on a Sunday at that church and I know the pastor, but I don't, I don't know the congregation by name and have people that walk up to me and say, brother, brother Albritton, we call you and your kids names out in prayer every day. I met somebody in a place of business yesterday that stopped and interrupted and said, I just want you to know, I, I'm so glad I saw you today. I pray for you and your kids every day. Amen. That's, that's carried me and my children in putting this brokenness 
and in putting this circumstance in, in God's hands and trusting him uh, in, in the pain and trusting him in, in the journey. It's, it's very humbling. It's very humbling that you go through circumstances of life that he answers some in the miraculous or the deliverance and others, you have to trust it all to him, but it's all, all God. Now let me take about 30 seconds and talk to you about pain in our lives. One comedian said, I don't like pain because pain hurts me. Pain hurts all of us. But I, I want to do a study, but I know enough from hearing about it in school. But when the Panama Canal was built, it cost millions of dollars. Man lives, lives were lost. The investment in that short canal was so high. But now ships can traverse that territory in such a short amount of time. And God has just impressed me. And I want to speak. And Pastor, you said you felt God was going to minister. I want to speak to those who may be walking through painful circumstance at different levels of your life. That pain is carving a channel. I feel the Holy Ghost on me so strong. Right Amen. Now. Amen. Talk that to pain, us. when you endure and you're trusting God, and the financial answer maybe did not come, but you still trust in God or this direction, your faith's not broken. He has you on a trust journey at that moment. And you trust him through that pain. Those, all of that effort carved a channel so that ships could travel that territory in moments, in brief hours, though it took months to carve that channel. And pain, when you keep walking with Jesus, and you keep trusting him and having faith through all those, those awesome immediate answers. And then the ones where it doesn't come or your understanding can't put it all together, but God, you're still God. That's carving a channel. It's carving a channel where his anointing of healing can come to you and through you in moments to touch others' lives down the line. So don't hate the pain when it comes. I know all of our natural inclination is to resist it. No, get away from me. We want to walk with Jesus in the fellowship is the resurrection. But the Bible said we're also called to walk with him in the fellowship of his suffering. And I don't just jump up and down for joy when those times come. But one, after a little while or a few days or weeks and you realize I can't fast this away, I can't pray it away, and I can't faith speak it away, then God, you must be allowing. And in that case, then at some point, like Jacob wrestling with that angel, you just got to grasp it by the lapels and say, God, if we're going through something, then you promise me you're going to walk through me with it, with me through this situation. And you're going to do something for good through this. And it's going to carve, I say it again, a channel that his anointing and virtue can flow through almost effortlessly later. His healing is going to flow through the channel that was carved in your soul and your spirit because you trusted him, not just in the instant miracle, but you trusted him in the pain, trusted him in the suffering. Pastor. Uh, Greg, let me, let, me, let me take us to a final piece, and, and I'll do it by, I think I shared this with you in our conversations, but I'll remind the church. Tongues and Interpretation came out 
Sunday, February 23rd, the last Sunday in February. And then three weeks later, we're out of church and we haven't been back to physical church since. And um, the, the last statement in that tongues interpretation was a time is coming where I am all you will have, but I will be all that you need. That's so and I, I think that refers to COVID-19, yes, and the season that we're in. But I think it also applies to some of these, these examples that you shared with us of your own story. All you In those moments, everything strips away, and it's, 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 it's just him. But then that statement, that is, that is all that you will need. Talk to us about what it means to you in, 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 in the concept. Because I think it's important that we get the concept and we make the commitment ahead of time, before we face the trials, before we face the fire of walking with Jesus, no matter where we're going, no matter whether it's a storm or it's calm, no matter whether it's in the fire or out of the fire, no matter whether it's in the lion's den or, or it's being hauled out of the lion's den, that we're going to walk with Jesus. Share that, and then we'll turn to some questions. All right. Uh, thank you. Um, during my recovery from West Nile, I remember one of the days after the Guillaume Beret, um, the I think I made it five steps, beads of sweat popping out of my head. Therapist with the belts wrapped around my waist, helping hold me up, bars on each side. I mean, five steps. And then in a matter of a few days, that was 12 steps. And then it, it they had tape on the floor in the, in the therapy center there. And, and it, I think it was 30 feet each way. And I could make it to one corner. Then I could make it 60 feet only had to stop twice on a rolling walker and but I couldn't sit down and then I made it a whole square and then and then two and what what I what I what learned and God used that experience of me relearning to walk that I was successful on the day that I walked five steps and went back to the room and took a slobber nap for three hours because it wore me out that was successful on that day I walked and, and, and I, I, I've walked since then. I, I walk a lot. I used to think it was just a sport for elders. I guess maybe I am getting one now to be one, but um, I walk a lot. And, and I've, I've come to believe that the greatest imagery in the word of God for living for God, for living in relationship with the Lord is walking with him. I know there's farming illustrations, there's wrestling, there's uh, warfare, all of those illustrations, but I, I believe walking. I've come to be convinced everything comes back to walking. If you fly, you got to land and walk. Sprint, sprint or short distances, you slow down and you walk. If you fall down, you're not going to stay down. You get back up and walk. I believe it's the, it, everything comes back to walking. If I can commit to walk with Jesus, and if I'm going through hell, and I don't mean that as a bad word, but if I'm going through hell on earth, a trial or a storm, five steps that day of Jesus, I just walk with you today. I hold on. And five steps is victory. Now, a few weeks ago, I set a record on my phone. I walked 140,000 steps, an average of 20,000 steps a day. That was about three weeks ago. I'm not going to be able to do that every week, but I, I walk and some weeks we may, we may scale the mountains and we may, and, and in other weeks, it may seem like it's slow, but walking, but it's not just walking. It's walking 
with Jesus. I love the old song. I'm, I'm going through. I'm going through. I don't care what the rest of the world decides. I made up my mind. I ain't going to turn around. I'm walking with my Jesus and I'm going through. I'm not just walking with Jesus, but it's also the concept of walking in the spirit. I touched on it earlier, but during the 10 months of Jamie's sickness and trying to get help and that ebb and flow of not pushing too hard, but, but being there and supportive and all of that, I had to walk with Jesus every single day just to navigate the steps of our home and to navigate the steps of our life. And I came out of that saying, Jesus, on my best days in my future, down the line, if things just are going great, let me never forget to live this way. I'm walking with, I'm holding his hand. He's walking with me. I'm walking with him. And when I have that commitment, as you mentioned, before the fire, it's not real hard to hold his hand because if you think about it, if I'm walking with Jesus and I go through the valley, that means Jesus is going through the valley. The psalmist said, thou art with me. He was with the three Hebrew young men. He was, he was with the children of Israel through the floods. And through, he, if I go through it, he's with me. So I'm going to walk with him every single day. And I'm not going to judge how fast your five steps today may be the greatest victory ever. And then your 120,000 steps or 140,000 steps, that's awesome. But in this journey of life, I'm just going to walk in the spirit, walk with Jesus every day. And so if you fly, fly and enjoy it, but the flight's gonna land and don't feel bad if the Lord calls you to just walk with him for a while. I love flying, I love flying, I love sprinting. Can't do it too good right now, but I love it. But those are the short bursts. But if you would interview most elders, they would tell you living for Jesus is gonna be a walk. And you learn to hold that hand. And you learn, amen, the hills and the valleys and the ebbs and the flows. You lock onto that hand and, and, and again, walking in the spirit. Amen. It's such a beautiful thing. And so then when you get to those crisis moments, when you get to those crisis moments, you don't know what else to do, but to extend your hand, make sure he's there and you keep on walking. Amen. So um, that's all I know to do. And then, and then just blessing, blessing. I bought a sign today. We're kind of excited getting back out and Hobby Lobby had some 50% off stuff and, and, um, and I bought a little sign that, that just said, there's always a reason to give thanks. You can always find things to bless the Lord for and thank him for in this journey. Amen. So I encourage you to walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, as you can tell, and I knew this was coming, I, Sister Cindy Miller kind of set it up, teed it up, and Greg's kind of hit a home run. If we stopped right now, we've been ministered to and cared for. But why don't we take a moment here, Desi, and kind of just worship the Lord together. I really think in your own home and where you're at, would you just bless the Lord right now? Would you just say, thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness? 
would you just thank him right now and say, Lord, you've been good. God, even in the midst of trials, Lord Jesus, you are faithful. You do not abandon us. You do not leave us. You will not forsake us. God, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for his transparency and his honesty with us, Lord. God, we love you and we worship you. Praise God. Praise God. All right, Desi, I'm going to be a punk, man. I'm just going to stop and say, okay, you take it from here now. I don't even know where to go. So you got some questions for us? Oh, all right. Let's see if we can weave some of these together for Greg. So Greg, I'm going to, we have multiple questions that have come in that are along the same line. So I'm going to try and put a couple of them together, if that's okay. Yes, sir. So one of the questions is how have you and your children uh, coped with all that's happened in your family in the last few years? Um, it's it's been obviously it's it's challenges. Um, the I may get a little bit emotional here, um, but on the on the the spirit side, when my wife was was broken, the. The, the spirits, it was turbulence, so much turbulence in the atmosphere. Hill, hill was, was swirling, trying to attack and, and um, you know, there, there was brokenness. And this is not the whole story, but it, it, it was part of the story. But the day after my wife passed, a friend literally took me outside of the home and said, I've never felt this much peace in a home in my life. And he, uh, he said, I want you to look at each of your children when you go back inside. He said, I've never seen anything like it. And um, I went back in and looked at my children. And when I couldn't even possibly explain how they could function at that moment, each of them had a piece, almost like just settled on them. And, and, and that is truly peace, which passes understanding or one, one, um, version says it's beyond comprehension in a moment where we can't even comprehend how there could be peace god brought peace that's one of the beauties of walking with him is his assurance came um and i think for my my two girls my, my they're 16 and 14 and then creed is seven and uh, for the girls and i um i mean yeah it's it's been it's i I can't imagine from a child's perspective to go through their dad near death and months and all of that recovery and then straight into the second situation. Um, but they know how much fasting and praying was put into their mom's circumstance. They know how much leaning on God, those close to the circumstance. Um, we didn't publicize the journey, but those close to the story were with bombard in heaven. So somewhere in their spirits, they know, and, 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 and I've tried to example it because it's, it's just the way God has led me that this may not, God didn't do what happened, but he didn't stop it. And it's somehow he allowed it and he's used, he will use it for his glory. So I think in their minds, knowing there was this much praying and fasting that if this still happened, God allowed. God, God um, was again may not he didn't do it, but he 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 allowed it. So I think that has brought a measure of of understanding, and then um, I just 
uh, I say it again, there's nothing like the body of Christ. And Pastor Stephen is one of them. We're losing nationals. And we're just going at it. And he says, man, can you get your daughter and, and let's go in the hall? I feel like I have a word for her. And he connected with her the way daddy couldn't right then. It was beautiful. And then began a connection or extended a connection from him and I of ministry. And, um, and, and so just, just the body of Christ, the love of God, the peace of the Lord, the navigation of the spirit in, in all of this of, I, um, I, I just, I don't know anything else to do in life circumstances, but to put it in God's hands. I have my own little way of saying things. I'm not putting it on the sidewalk. I'm not putting it in a dumpster. I'm not just throwing it out in the yard, but I've given it, I'm putting it in his hands, my unknowns and my hurts and my, the things that are so big. And, and we, we try to example that in the home that when it's too big for us, we, we put it in God's hands. So um, I don't know if that specifically answers the question. My, my uh, seven-year-old through his schooling has received great counseling. He's been into a counselor every week and over the phone since the uh, stay-at-home orders. And um, as soon as things unfold a little further, uh, the girls are going to get into some counseling to help more on the natural side, just to be healthy and to process. I appreciate those answers. I know these are complex situations and you're trying to answer us quickly, but let me tie another question. You mentioned earlier that the body of Christ has extended care to you and your family. Would you be willing to share some of the positive ways that your family has been ministered to? And could you make recommendations to us on how we can help other members of the body of Christ when we see them going through difficult situations, perhaps like this? Um, Yes, it's come, it's come in, in several, several ways. And um, I mentioned the prayer, like stepping in. And I know I'll, I'll say this on prayer and I'll say it on, on finances. I know that, that my connections being an evangelist and I'm in a different, I mean, I may be in one church for five weekends, but then I'm in another church, another church, another church. And so I've got a, I've got a large support group and I understand someone that's in a local church and may not travel. So that, that part is being a blessing, but, but so the prayer people just saying, I call your names. I call your kids names. I, I referenced again yesterday. I was in a place of business and I was engaged in the place of business and the lady interrupted and said, look, I'm sorry, I know. And, and she said, I know, but look, I've got to, Greg, I'm just telling you, your family has been on my heart and we're praying for y'all. And, and when she walked off, the gentleman that was with me said, he said, now I can handle that kind of interruption because she was just, you could see the tears in the corners of her eyes. I would tell the people, uh, you, you precious folks listening, don't worry so much if it's the right or wrong words. I know sometimes we feel like I don't know what to say. So just let love, hey, we're there. We're, we're undergirding, we're, we're supporting you and your family and we're lifting you up in prayer. The, the other way that's been incredible, and I, I don't mind, I won't share specific maybe numbers, but when, 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 when my West Nile hit, I had 
friends that got in touch with my wife, friends in ministry, friends from Bible quizzing said, Greg's a full-time evangelist. That's y'all's only form of income. And funds came in the mail. The first couple that called was a Bible quizzing family, Brother Steve, from the state of Texas. And they, they said, what's add up what your bills are for one month. We want to cover y'all's first month. And in seven months of zero income, we didn't miss one house payment, one bill, nothing. We missed nothing. And the last offering that came from a church was, was the largest offering that came in all of them. And, and our bills were covered and we were blessed. Then when Jamie passed, the church loved on us with prayers and with financial support and allowed me to take a little time off. And then I've, I've told my pastor, Brother Anthony Mangan, this the other day, he, he mentioned that how, how even in all of this shutdown, how POA's income was blessed over some of this time. And I said, well, pastor, I can tell you, I mean, I, I don't get bold too often like that, but with Brother Mangan, especially, and I, I just got bold and I said, Brother Mangan, I can tell you why POA is blessed because I'm only one, but when I had West Nile, you called my wife and you said, how much is your house payment? And POA paid my house payment for six months. And he called back and said, the Lord convicted me. I'm going to give you 300 more than your house payment. I, I said, pastor, the church has invested. If I'm just one story, but they've developed a life of giving. And then now in this crisis, they're blessed. And, and, and I have seen so much blessing during this coronavirus. I told somebody, you ever fly in in the back of the flight magazine, it has the maps of the hub cities and then all the directions that the flights go. I wish the Lord could show us a map of all the directions that giving has taken place during this shutdown. Because I'm hearing stories of people giving, getting blessed, and it going back and forth. I never want us to stop. I'm not just trying to pin roses on my shoulder. But Eli Hernandez passed away a week ago. I can't let that pass without putting something in the mail for that family. A Bible quiz father passed away last week. I, I'm going. It was it was given to me. I can't help but do that. So financially, it's just one channel. Obviously, all the way. Somebody saying, "Hey, let me let me take your kids. Let me do this. Let me do that." I mean, there's so many ways. Meals, meals, meals. There was one family, and there were Bible quiz family. But I found out later their drive, they live out in the country, like the 45 minute drive. And they did not want there to be one day that my family didn't get meals for those first few months. And they brought us meals two times a week for about eight to 10 weeks. And it was a 45 minute drive each way. That's the kind of, I'm just talking about the love of Jesus, just finding a way to love, to bless, not always financially or service of food, but are just, just that love. I, I, I can't express it enough. Just when you see the look of love and all, and we're praying for you every day. What that does to undergird is so amazing. And I, I, I want to be a part of that team. I, I, I intentionally try to be a part of that team. And this, this is not our subject right now, but it's just a good, it's just a good thought. If God blesses me, do I do this?
or do I do this? Because if I do this and let it hit and just keep going, in other words, he's going to bless me. I'm not going to always give it all, but if he blesses me and somebody gives me a hundred dollars and I find a family with three kids to give them 10, $20 each, it just, the flow just keeps going. And it's amazing. It's amazing. So, uh, I don't want to get to rambling, so let me turn it back over to you. Susie, let question. me let me add one thing too, which is the person and the people asking that question, as one of the people, and I'm only one of many that have cared for Greg and, and responded, there's a feeling of terror because you don't want to be presumptuous. I can tell Greg I was terrified when I felt the Lord press on me that you have a word that you can speak to to Emory. And I thought, oh. You know, what right do I have to speak into this situation? I mean, I, what if I have the wrong thing to say? What if I, you know, all the fears that come up. I, I can remember, I have a vivid image in my mind, Desi, of the exact spot where I got on the phone. It was literally in New York City after returning from my 30 days on the continent of Africa doing missions work where I, I texted first and then I called him and, and I said, Greg, I, I just need to talk to you. And I just said, I, I want to call you every month. And you know, you don't want to be rejected. You don't want to say the wrong things. You're, you're, you're all of these kinds of things happen. We have to listen to the prompting of the spirit. Absolutely. And if we'll listen to the prompt of the spirit and with faith respond, God knows what he's doing because it's his body and there's one head, it's him. And that whole body functions in coordination with that one head. And so we got to stare down that fear. We got to stare down that that insecurity and those those vulnerable things. Because in vulnerability comes love. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. All right, Desi, take it away a little bit more. We have lots of good questions, but we're running out of time. So, Greg, unfortunately, I'm only going to have room for one more. But I want to loop back around to this idea of digging your own well. We've been working on that all month. You may not know that, but each week we're kind of doing different aspects of this idea of digging your own well. And I know you had been sharing that with Pastor Stephen. So we have a man in our church who's a single father. And so he's really, you're, I want you to know you're really ministering to him tonight. And so he wrote in a question and he asked, as a single father, I'm trying to help my six-year-old son understand the importance of digging his own well. Do you have any advice? on how I can help him with that. And so while you're directly answering this single father with a six-year-old boy, but just in general to parents as they deal, especially with younger children, how can we at the level they can understand begin to help them to dig their own wells? Um, I would just, I would just, what immediately comes to me, but it's because it's what's been special is, is bed, bedtime has led to some incredible, um, situations with me and Creed and there's those teachable moments we were taught as youth leaders years ago you may have five flat normal youth services or Sunday school settings and then and then all of a sudden you're going to be in a and you may say man am I being effective and then you're in a van with the kids and also here's this teachable moment or in the, the the lodge at night at a retreat and all of a sudden here it is and you you have those moments it's, it's kind of like that with a kid every night i mean we we may just laugh and giggle and and he's seven and in our situation right now he's 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 in the room with me so we have time at night going going to bed and so it may be 10 nights in a row we we talk about hunting or 
Harlem Globetrotters or, you know, I gotta, I gotta um, hear about the, you know, his, his video games and, and, and all of that. And then, and then it'll be those moments where we'll, we'll, we'll get to talking and he'll talk about hurt and pain or missing mom and, and different things. And, and I was able to start saying, Hey, the Holy ghost is going to be a strength. To you. He's going to help you. We, we need to seek for the Holy ghost. And while we pray and I pray with, each of my children briefly every night, you know, just, just a little prayer over each of them. And, um, and there's been a couple of times it's been those Holy ghost moments where God's presence is, is come on him. And, and so I, and, and it's been powerful and twice my little boy didn't have the Holy ghost before the, before the shutdown twice, he's been filled with the Holy ghost and both of them happened. One of them sitting on the side of the bed and one of them, we were already laying in bed. And it, but they were four weeks apart, but man, when they happened, they were powerful. And, um, and, and so, so I would just say not the pressure of every night, Ooh, I got to get this, get this, but to have that navigation. And then when you sense those moments, you're able to just, all right, all right. And like, I remember that first night he, he was kind of, didn't know what to pray, kind of scared to pray. So I told him what to say the first time, tell him, Jesus, I need you, Jesus, I need you. And he was crying. He was, it was the beginning of the shutdown and he, he, he had a lot of hurt in his life and he was scared his daddy was going to die. He heard that word virus and, and shutdown and what, and he just started clinging to me. I don't want my daddy to die. And so I encouraged him, let's start praying. And, and I had to coach him for about, I love Jesus, I need, but man, the, the, in the next 30 minutes, there was no coaxing needed. Now the next night, I probably couldn't have got him to pray like that if, I mean, his kid, you know? And so, so I try to navigate where we're gonna talk about Jesus. We're gonna talk about the hurtful things and hey, God wants to help us and we'll talk about it. But when I sense those moments, then I truly try to, to take advantage for things to be planted deep in his soul. So, um, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. If nothing else to all the parents out there with kids still at home, because I imagine you probably have times even with your teenage daughters where we have to look for teachable moments. And if I'm hearing you correct, we don't get to predetermine when they're going to happen. No, sir. No, sir. Hey, Desi, I'm going to exercise a little pastoral prerogative. I'm the timekeeper, Greg. I'm the guy that takes everything on. But there's one more question that I got to have Greg touch on before hey, we go. I don't know y'all's parameters, but I'm fine. I, can I know. I know. I'm the one that's all punctual, Greg. I'm I'm the one. They know that. That's why I'm. I'm your sanguine friend. I, I'm easy. Yes, I know. So Jada asks an awesome question that. Um, also has a great comment at the end. So let's do the heavy part. Did you ever, and of course this extends further and you know- This was my next question, Steve, but we were out of time. So I'm well, going to- so I'm, I'm, I'm taking the prerogative for just a moment. Hang with me for two minutes more folks and then we'll end the broadcast. Did you ever feel like you or your kids, and you're gonna, you're gonna get the irony of this question, Greg, because you know some things of our conversations and, and everything. Did you ever feel like you got mad at God through the suffering that you went through and the pain you felt? And this is coming from a young teenager, which is kind of ironic given the message I gave to your daughter. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I mean, the Bible says be angry and sin not. It doesn't say don't be angry. And so anger is a, um, it's an emotion that God created 
and um, try not to let anger go too far. I mean, I, I would I would say earlier in my life, I may have had more of those moments, but in these later stages of life, I don't I don't believe I've had had too much anger. My my dad had a great anecdote or a statement on on anger one time. He said, "Look, when you just get angry." He said, when you get so mad, you just want to break something or whatever. He said, I just encourage you. He said, go outside and either punch or kick a tree as hard as you can. He said, but just a word of warning, it's going to hurt you a whole lot more than it hurts the tree and you'll learn quick. And uh, so I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. You That's know? right. It, it, uh, so, so anger is, is, it's an okay emotion and, and, Pastor, that's one of the things you encourage my daughter, you know, that you may even get angry at God and it's okay. Take that to him. Brother Tenney used to say, it's okay to bring God all the questions. Just don't demand the answers. He'll that's let them right. hold in his time, but don't feel like bringing the questions is a sin. That's don't right. feel like that's wrong. And the Psalms show us that. They, he brought everything to God. That's and, right. Um, and so... Anger is a God-given emotion, and it's okay at times to even feel like, God, I'm angry. Why did you let this happen? And um, to express that, to, to bring that to the Lord, but just not to get all controlling or demanding on God that he has to explain all of his logic to you. That goes back to the trust factors. I'm not That's sure right. if that answer is exactly. No, it does. And, and the reason, Desi, I wanted to touch on it is, is that um, to that young person and to all of us, God can handle our struggle and he wants to be in a relationship with us. And so when we talk to him, honestly, he's okay with that because he can work with that. And the key, the way I would put it is, is the part that doesn't let anger take over is, is that we keep talking to him because if you'll keep talking to him, he'll keep loving on you. He'll keep communicating with you. And even if you don't get the answer, you're still going to feel his love and be in that relationship and things will get better and he'll continue to walk with you. Now, the comment that we got to end on is this. They love your glasses. Cool. So they think your glasses are cool. So I wanted to, you got a, you got a friend here that thinks your glasses are cool. Oh, wow. See, look at that. I don't know if you're good looking, dude. I don't have any nah. idea about that, but I do know that uh, they like your glasses. Hey, hey, everybody. Glasses. I was worried because it was a little weird glare for some reason. So I was worried no. about that. No, you look great, man. Oh, Greg, thank I can't say enough to you, my friend. I know that this we've taken you on an emotional journey. You need to go rest tonight, dude. Thank you for being honest with us. Thank you for being open. This has been a great broadcast. You're a great friend. We've got a lot of stories. Do I have your word? If I invite you back, you'll come back and spend time with us again in the future. Yes, sir. I'll be Absolutely. very honored to. Awesome. Awesome. They're loving on you. If you could see the Facebook right now, there's all kinds of love going up to you. Thank and you uh, everybody express your Thanksgiving for Greg. You're all written. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Desi. Now, Desi, the loaded question as we close out, should I tell them who's next week? Well, so far you haven't been. I, think I know. Should I change my, myself. should I change my pattern or should I hold it to myself? I don't know. Cause it's like, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Do you know who's next week? Oh, I do. Yeah. Cause I'm helping you set the schedule, but, oh, but that's we haven't right. publicized it. And so 
Ah, he's, Greg, he's like a little boy with a new toy. I'm wanting to tell Not somebody. Share, but. I mean, I am going from hilltop to hilltop. So we start with our good friend, Dr. Peyton. That was a good score. That was a solid interview, which, by the way, is still the most popular interview we've done thus far. But nonetheless, that's a good friend. All right. Okay. Then I move on to the illustrious Dr. Cindy Miller. Okay. But that's still a close family friend, etc. Then I get Greg Albritton, hotshot evangelist from Louisiana. Yeah. Right, but now, now I'm climbing an even higher peak. Oh, can I tell him? Yes, we give you permission. All right, Greg All says right. there. So there you go. You don't want to miss next week because next Friday night, I don't know if the camera is going to be able to handle him, but we have none other than Bruce Howell, Global Missions oh, Director wow. for the United Pentecostal Church. That's so awesome. He's going to be with us, and it's going to be awesome. You don't we want to miss absolutely it. Absolutely want to be here for that. Absolutely. And it's going to be interesting. I have asked him to tell us the story of how he and his now deceased, recently deceased wife, Diane, how, how they became missionaries and how they became the global missions directors. And so I'm hoping to get, I know a little bit of that story. I don't want to steal anything from it, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And uh, so you don't want to miss next Friday night with friends. We're looking forward to it. Greg, thanks for being with us. Thank you for your time. Everybody else, check out newyorkupc.info. Help us with giving. Help us with your prayer requests. You haven't joined a small group, do so. Otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, as we say every time, have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow night at 7. Thanks for joining. Bless you all. Thank you for letting me be a part tonight. Absolutely. Good night, everybody.